Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Du L, and I am a Recover Compulsive Overeater. Today is Friday, June 26, and today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are at page 93, starting with the second paragraph, your prospect may be long. Um, today's readers are... Uh, Sarah W., 12 Steps, reading the 12 Steps. Charles H., reading the 12 Traditions. Um, and my readers for the text are Terry H., Elaine B., and Sue G. Uh, the reference number for yesterday, uh, June, uh, Thursday, June 25th, it is share number ID 7756. Always preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contribution, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donation. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeat, compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sarah W. to begin reading the 12 steps. Good morning. Please. This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. These are the 12 steps. One. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, my pastor. Thank you, Sarah. And now I will ask Charles H. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, all visionaries. My name is Charles H. from New York. Covered visionary just for today, the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supported and declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for allowing me to serve this morning. I pass. Thank you, Charles H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your sharing to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive over-ears only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing on what the directions of the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 93, um, second paragraph, and I will ask Terry H. to begin reading that paragraph. Good morning, Duke. Good morning, Revision for you. Terry H., recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Your prospects may belong to a religious denomination. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. In that case, he is going to wonder how you can add anything to what he already knows. But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to work so well. He may be an example of truth that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Let him see that you are not there to instruct him in religion. Admit that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it if he would not drink. 
Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with general principles common to most denominations. And this paragraph is really powerful. I can so identify in. Um, this brings me right back um, in helping the newcomer and also, you know, when I first came into program being the newcomer. And I did have, you know, I did belong to a religious denomination at the time. And um, I just remember, you know, I, I would get on my knees every morning and, you know, just pray to this power to, you know, to get me absent. And then, you know, I, I could not understand why it wasn't happening. And, you know, what I've learned from this paragraph that faith alone is insufficient. Like, I can believe that it will happen, but if I don't take any action to follow up on it, then I'm going to get the same result. So I think about this, you know, I think about page 85 where we read, faith without works is dead, you know. So, you know, for God to live in me, God must live through me. So having discovered, you know, the greatest treasure and all, you know, I, I, I cannot help but feel the need to share it with others, you know, um, you know, that this is a spiritual program and not a religious program. And, you know, someone else's religious beliefs, you know, are really um, not, you know, it's, it's a private matter and it's really personal to them. And, you know, the same way with me, like my religious beliefs are personal to me and, you know, I have no, have no, um, you know, uh, no uh, right to, put that on someone else, and um, I just, uh, I, I love this paragraph, um, I want to just focus on, he made the example of the truth that faith alone is insufficient, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action, so um, again, you know, uh, true faith will show itself by the works that I do, and the works I do will, will broaden and deepen my own faith, and um and for me, it's just about going in there and um, just being being a power of example, and you know, not not pushing my my religious beliefs on anyone. So, um, you know, this paragraph talks about you know, I need more than knowledge of, or understanding of a God, and um, I need to have an experience with the truth about my disease and you know, um, this new power that I need. And it's also about seeing my need for more power and how to get that. So, I like to just kind of. Um, uh, talk about the difference between belief and faith, and there's a story that's told here in Maine about the greatest high, it's it's the world's greatest higher, uh, high wire artist in the world, and now this is, you know, an attempt to push a wheelbarrow across the, the Grand Canyon on a tightrope, and, uh, you know, being the world's best, you would, you would definitely believe that he would, he would make it, because, you know, that's what he does, and, you know, and I've learned that, um, you know, to, to, to have the faith, the faith would be for me to be willing to get into that wheelbarrow and have that um, the high high wire artist take me across, and um, and that's that's the difference between belief and faith. And um, I'm so grateful that I know today that it has to be backed up with action if anything's going to um, change. And that's about passing this message on to others and um, practicing it on a daily basis. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Sherry H. Um, All right, Charles H. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Larry. Charles. This is Bella. Can I share? Bella. Renata. Renata. And Barbara D. We're gonna we're gonna start off with those. Um, So so far, I have Charles H. Larry. 
Bella, Renata G, and the, um, I'm sorry, the last person? Barbara B. Barbara D. Thank you. We'll go in that order. Charles, you're up, followed by Larry. Thank you, Duke, for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary, uh, calling from Yonkers, New York. I want to drill down where it says, to be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice and unselfish, constructive action. Um, I'm not here to instruct anybody on religion. And, you know, and, and you know, th- th- this may be, this may come as a shock to myself, um, you know, prior to coming into, prior to really getting, getting, getting down to business that, um, and it's not a knock against religious people, but most of them are, are not spiritual. Um, you know, man, that, that, that took a lot to, you know, but, but I'm saying, you know, I know a lot of 500 pound pastors that, you know, that I, 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 I see people that, that need this program, but you know what? It faith without works is dead. Like the first, um, share of qualifying on that was, that was real good. Um, I could pray for, to be, to be abstinent. But if I don't accompany it with self-sacrifice and unselfish constructive action, uh, you know, I could pray all, all day till next century, and it ain't going to happen if I don't put in some work. You know, it takes work. And uh, like, like I said earlier, I had a sponsee that, you know, doing going through the motions, doing all the work, but, you know, if you don't put the food down, you're not going to be abstinent. See, abstinence to me is is a main ingredient in recovery. You know, without um, abstinence, um, without self-sacrifice, and eventually without constructive action, which is, to me, the 12 steps as it's laid out in the big book, um, I'm doomed. I need to realize, and, and, you know, I can't um, diagnose anybody else. And, um, you know, some people's, uh, you know, Religious backgrounds are are are, are fine, um, and that's fine. Whatever your whatever your conception of a higher power is, that's fine. You know, um, and the big book is being so generous by saying we have nothing to do with like people still, you know, you know, call me and ask me, hey, can you help me uh, develop a, co- a, a a a conception of a higher power? I'm like, I, you know, that's not my business. You know, that's not my business. We represent no particular faith or denomination. We are dealing only with the general principles common to most denominations. So that's that's all I wanted to say this morning. Thank you for allowing me to have a voice, and I pass. Thank you, Charles H. Um, Larry K., you're up, followed by Bella. Thanks, Stu. I appreciate it. Larry K., Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So here we get some some great instructions, you know. Um, any um, you know any attempt by me to somehow instruct another human being on the secret, you know, of a workable faith or religious practice, you know, that that, that would be flat out ludicrous. You know, I didn't get here on a winning streak, and I didn't get here spiritually uh, awakened. You know, all I have to share is my personal experience. 
and I stress, you know, when, when at the proper time, that the spiritual transformation that happened for me can happen for anyone. That the, the, the experience of that, like, mystical illumination and the awe and the sacred, call it whatever you want, is, is, it's hardwired in the human brain. It's hardwired in the human brain. And, you know, that awe can be suppressed. It can be ignored. It can even be desecrated. But, you know, the one thing that it can't be is it can never be destroyed. I'm, I'm living walking proof that it can't be destroyed. And it's interesting that defining spirituality is difficult. I mean, it's a little like defining the genius of Shakespeare. You know, um, everybody uh, agrees that, you know, that it exists, but no two observers use the same words to capture that genius. You know, like, like how, would, how would you use words to describe the aroma of a perfume that you like or a cologne for the guys that you like? How would you use words to describe that? It, it, it's impossible, nearly impossible. Same thing with illuminating the spiritual awakening. About the best that I can come up with is, you know, that, that there's some common things. It involves, for me, in my experience, it involves love, it involves uh, selflessness, and it involves action. You know, it's, it's funny. The one thing in common with, with you know, there's some people, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi, if you're familiar with Viktor Frankl, uh, the Dalai Lama, you know, Tolstoy, they, they, they all believed in a power greater than themselves. Yet they were all, none of them were theologians, primarily. But they, they all were devoted to love of their fellow men and women through action. None of them sat there on a mountaintop meditating all day without taking action. And I'm not knocking those that do. There are some that may sit on a mountaintop um, and just, you know, it's all internal meditation, getting closer to, you know, to a higher power. And that's great. But for me and the most of the people that I know, and certainly with the application of this program, it's an action deal, man. It, it, it has nothing to do with some passive head, you know, uh, your mind in the, in the clouds. It's an action thing. And it's a love thing. And it's a, an acceptance and tolerance of others. And it's non-judgmental. And uh, it's changed my life. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Uh, we will go on with Bella. You're next, followed by Renata G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, do for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Wow, I love this paragraph. It's such a wonderful paragraph. In the program, we are not talking about religious. We are not saying that one religious is better than others. We are talking about uh, spiritual principles. And yes, we, we learn in the program how to put uh, these spiritual principles in our own life. And 
I know from my own experience that my first two sponsors weren't from the same religious as mine. And they were wonderful, and they really built on me the basis, the strong basis in the program. And why? Because we didn't talk about religious. religious. We talk about uh, spiritual, about faith. And to put this faith into our everyday life, we have to work on our selves on our character defects. And these character defects are common to everybody because we are all human and we all have to work on our selfishness. We have to work on our resentments. We have to work on our fears. And it's all the same. It doesn't matter which religion we are. But we learn how to build the our faith, and because the faith without working, without actions, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's not enough. And yes, I I have all my life a faith in God, but it didn't help me because I didn't know, I wasn't aware on my character defects, on my human powerlessness. And this is wonderful because we are all the same. We are all the same, and we are all human, and we are all children of God. And we are, we all have the higher power, and it doesn't, it doesn't matter how we call it, this higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Um, Renata G., you're up next, and then followed up by Barbara D. Thanks, Sue. Good morning, everyone. This is Renata G., Recovered Composer of Aid in New York. Um, you know, I'm someone that came to program with some religious education. You know, I came to this program with a higher power, with an idea of God. And uh, the first thing for me was that I needed to let go of some old ideas that did not work. You know, the, the God I believe in when I came into program is the same God I believe in today, but certain things had to change for me, certain rules that, you know, I've learned in church that did not make sense to me at all. You know, I had to let go of those ideas because if I'm going to turn my will my life over to the care of God, you know, it has to be a God that I, I feel comfortable with. You know, not a punishing God, not a God that I don't have complete access to. And, you know, another thing I'm going to focus on in this paragraph is, you know, it says faith alone is insufficient. Uh, That however deep deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it or he would not drink. And that was true for me. As much as I had faith in God, it, it didn't help me with my disease, you know, and I couldn't understand why. And, uh, Today, I, I know that I can have all the faith in the world, but if I'm consumed with self, if I'm filled with, you know, guilt and shame, anger, remorse, then that's all I have access to. That's all that is in my mind. And, you know, then God has no space to work in me, to work with me. And, uh, but you know, by working this 12 steps, you know, by getting right with all my relationships, you know, 
my relationship with God, relationship with myself, relationship with others, you know, cleaning up the best, clearing out the damage I've caused. Now God has space to come and fill me with his goodness and his love and his power. You know, and uh, I know, you know, that just praying, you know, just begging God for things or just believing that something will happen doesn't make anything happen. I need to pray and then take action. And when I take action, I can go towards God or I can take action based on self. Like just a quick example, just to finish, when I was on my step four, uh, I was I remember really, really struggling one day with the food I wanted to eat. And I went to the bathroom, got down on my knees and prayed for God to remove that obsession from me, to remove that craving. And I got up, went to the kitchen and put a piece of stale bread in my mouth. So, you know, like I didn't even give God space to work, didn't give God time. But if I, instead of going to the kitchen, just shoveling that food in my mouth, I had picked up the phone, I am sure God would have removed that craving, that obsession. Because every time I did that, it worked. Every time I asked God for help and showed the, the willingness to do the work, to take the right action, God always, always, always provided for me. You know, and so, and I can always, you know, go to the food, go to my disease, or go into self-sacrifice and work for others, or, you know, um, you know, in, in God's direction, not self-will. I said I said, thanks. Thank you, Renata. And Barbara, um, you're next. Thank you. This is Barbara B., Recovered Composable Reader in Massachusetts. And as I look at the part of this paragraph that says, Perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. Well, I feel that my story does say that, and it says it to me, and it can say it to anyone that I'm going to share it with. And that was that I was a very, very religious person, religious. I had religious education. I went to religious schools, uh, religious practices, but like the description here, it didn't help me not to eat. That had to that had to come someplace else. And when I pursued the religious practices without the twelve steps that are my base for my religious practices and without the fellowship and the the whole twelve step experience and way of life, I went to church every day and I vowed I'm not going to go to that place in in the morning where people go and what you have after church. I'm going to go. This was as a high school student. I could go right on to school. But every day I went to church and I went to that place and had that food. And then I was off and running because didn't know anything about triggering the phenomenon of craving, didn't know anything of of the difference between religion and religious practices and a 12-step way of life. Now, in coming to OA after a life of being beaten uh, and my whole story, a sponsor wisely said to me, you know, religion is not spirituality, as we often hear. The 12-step way of life is what you need to launch you 
into these other religious practices, which you know very well, like this person. I, I had the precepts, but I couldn't do it. I didn't hear what it says in the big book, that it's a spiritual program with a practical plan of action. So she said, use the 12 steps as your spirituality. And that indeed, those 12 steps and that way of life and all that's involved in that gives me the spirit that to feel, feel that soul hunger that I had to go to food to get that religion didn't do. Now I'm very active in my religious practices, and so is my husband. We, we share it. It's like an unbelievable miracle, but it can't be done. It couldn't be done for me without the 12-step way of life and without the fellowship. There's the base from which all the other practices grow. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Barbara. And before we continue on this paragraph, I'd like to chime in. Um, my name is Julie L, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I I, lo- I love to share on that on that part where it says, "But he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked, and why yours seem to work so well." And a little further down, it says, "But call to his attention the fact that, however deep his faith and knowledge." He could not have applied it, or he he would not drink, and you know that that speaks so so much to me because I came from you know um, a, a religious background, and and I thought I knew it all. You know, if I could follow the rules, if I could follow the do's and don'ts, then I have it. And what I found out that in my own practice, I could not do it. I knew I knew what to do, I knew the do's and don'ts, but I didn't know the how to. And so I prayed to God, and I was like, well, God, I, I, I don't know how to not be a glutton. I don't know how not to be a drunk. I don't know how to do these things. How, can you show me? And he gave me this special program called the 12 Steps. And the 12 Steps are designed in such a way that it helps me to understand that, you know, not only have I been spiritually sick, I have also been physically sick. And I have an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And until I address that, that part of my disease, I could not recover. I could not get better, you know. And, and, and that's the action part that I had to take. You know, I had to take some steps to help me to understand that, you know, there's something going on abnormally with my mind and my body. And so once I addressed that, then I could turn over to this faith. But the faith is not just good, just praying, God, just get me out of this situation and then not do nothing about it. This program is a program of action. And it says that I need to take the action in order to to recover. And so this program not only showed me that not only do I have to have dependence, reliance, and trust in God, but I also have to demonstrate it through my actions. And this program gives me the actions and these steps to be self-sacrificing, unselfish, and have those constructive actions to get to recovery. And so I'm grateful today that, you know, I've been taught this. Anyone can have this. Um, it, it, it leaves all the outside issues out. and doesn't bring theology in here. It doesn't bring anything about religion in here. It just brings about spirituality and the principles. And that's what I love about this book because it just keeps me on my toes. And um, I'm going to stop there, and um, I'm going to open up the floor again to anyone that wants to share. Who else would like to share? Rachel W. 
Rachel. I'm sorry. I heard after Rachel and Melissa and Kim and Vasa. And we'll we'll go with those. So is Sally G, Rachel, Melissa, Kim G, and Vasa O. So we'll start off with you, Sally. Press star one, please. I can't hear you, Sally. Okay, we'll move on to Rachel, and then we'll come back to Sally. Rachel, you're up. Sally A., can you hear me? Okay, now I can hear you. Sally. So sorry. I I, I muted three times. Forgive me. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, and I'll try to be brief so everybody has a chance to speak to this paragraph. It's such a phenomenal paragraph, and for me, it was a very important paragraph. Smack in the middle of the paragraph um, on page 93, it says, to be vital. And that word vital is a word that Bill brings up on a number of occasions, and it means essential. It's an essential. This is an essential concept that's being presented to us. And for me, it was essential because I walked around, as Bill talks about on the bottom of page 12, he talks about how he felt, at long last I saw, I felt, I believed, scales of pride and prejudice fell from my eyes. And so for myself, I was so busy walking around in OA for 30 years wearing a badge of, I know, I know, don't bother telling me, I already know. I've been in OA for 30 years. I've been in OA for 25 years. I wore this badge of I know, and I didn't know nothing. That was my pride. That was my big, fat ego. And it wasn't that I was big, fat. It was that thin is not well. And I was walking around uh, abstinent, but stark raving, uh, white-knuckling abstinent. And I was, I was not having the experience of the promises of the neutrality. And I was... I was so tired of struggling and, and straining to get away from the, the constant thoughts. And so when it comes to this paragraph, this very important paragraph that talks about perhaps your story will help him see where he has failed to practice the very precepts he knows so well. I know that was my, my mantra that I knew everything, but the truth of the matter was I didn't know nothing. I did not understand the level of what it was going to take for me to finally put the food down in my mind. I didn't understand the mental aspect of this disease and that I was in a relationship with food even when I wasn't binging my brains out. I was still thinking about wanting to be with my best friend, food. I was never growing my spiritual perspective, my spiritual relationship, and I didn't know nothing. And so lay aside what you think. Lay aside your pride and your prejudice about how long you've been here and how many times you've been around this block. And take it from one who's been around that block a lot of times. I didn't know nothing. And I had to set aside what I didn't know and start again with a very open mind. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally G. Rachel, you're up next, followed by Melissa. Please press star one to unmute. Good morning, Du. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank you so much for your service, and good morning, everyone. You know, um, I grew up in a home with a, a Moroccan mother who was very spiritual, and I remember having tarot cards on our dining room table and and um, 
And one of the great joys I had coming into program was to find that the steps and the principles were not only aligned in tandem with my religion, but inherent in them. So what was the issue? Because I was killing myself with food and and other ways. So so clearly there's something very off over here. So coming into the program, you know, I remember being kind of baffled because I had this belief in God already. So what what was you know, I had to really kind of go to the core of what was going on here. And um and for me, what it came down to was really when I when I the, what what aligned me to God was steps 4 through 9. Really like getting into um, my motivations, getting into my relationships and understanding, you know, why was I so angry at God when I created most of the chaos in my life, you know, and, and, um, and a big factor for me was why do, you know, why do I bristle so much when people call, call God my father? You know, what, what's going on with me that I have that negative, you know, and in my religion, God is masculine and feminine. So, but, but what is that to me? And I realized, you know what, I had to really work through my relationship with my parents and in particular with my father because I couldn't go around life connecting to God even if he created the universe, but if he gave me a father like I had, clearly it, he wasn't a trustworthy, reliable source, right? So it was all about me understanding the universe and understanding that clearly, you know, this isn't supposed to be. So therefore, you know, I, 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 I therefore I have to numb myself and exercise myself. I can't sit with myself. I, I have to be an addict. Well, thank God, <laughs> literally, thank God that that's not what my life is, you know, and that's not what my life became. That that in these steps is where I became aligned and found myself and in the most incredible relationship with with people with god and and with 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 you know just spirit the spiritual concepts that this program brings out so when when i'm i speak to my sponsees and i and i have a, my sponsees have a few religions between them and when i speak to other people my approach is not about my spiritual beliefs my my religious my religion i that's that's off the table what's on the table is Clearly, there's something going on with you and your connection to yourself and humanity if, 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 if you're killing yourself with food, because that was what my message was to myself. So um, it's, it's so powerful, and I, I think it's just a, you know, it's, it's amazing how we can just be connecting on that level. And then once we connect there, we can bring in the spiritual concepts. And I encourage my sponsees as well to, to create, you know, higher powers uh, around them, you know, that they, if they're uncomfortable with the idea of, of, of God of the universe. You know, they don't need to have my, my beliefs. I don't need to impose that on them. And just to end off, you know, I, I found in, in my history of sponsoring, any time I had an energy of wanting to change somebody, it was because I needed to look at myself to change something in me. And um, so I use that as a barometer as well. Thank you so much for letting me share and have a really great day, everybody. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Um, Melissa, you are up, followed by Kim G. Hi, good morning. This is Melissa Say, a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I grew up um, in a somewhat observant Jewish household. And, um, you know, my siblings have um, held on to their religion um, much more than I have. And my sister, um, who shares the same disease as me, um, is religious. And, you know, I married outside my religion. So when I found um, my recovery 
and I was kind of sharing the message with my sister because she could see that, oh, my God, you've lost weight. You're putting the food down. What are you doing? Um, you know, it was uncomfortable for me initially to talk about um, God with her because I felt, um, who am I <laughs> to talk to her when she has religion and I I don't, in a sense. Um, but, um, but, you know, as I talked to her more and more, Initially, most of our conversations um, when I was sharing the message with her was about the allergy of the body, and it's the obsession of the mind. And so our conversations for a long time were food-focused and were um, being abstinent. And what does that mean? What does that look like? What foods do we abstain from? And um, and, and then I realized that, um, you know, I was going to, if I was going to help my sister and help myself, um, I had to really out myself as far as where I had grown spiritually. And, um, you know, and, and we've had wonderful conversations where, you know, it, for me, I found spiritualism through, through action, through the work. You know, it didn't, I didn't have a spiritual awakening and then suddenly was able to do the work. Um, I had a few um, aha moments where I realized that, there was a higher power that I was tapping into, but I, you know, I, my relationship with my higher power grew as I as I did the actual work of the program, and um, and so I've been able to sort of share that with my sister, and um, and I'm so happy that that um, you know that she's that she's having recovery now, and um, you know, and and what I was best able to sort of discuss with her. Um, because initially she sort of had said to me, but I'm religious. And, you know, um, as if, like, what I had to say wasn't as important. And, you know, in a loving way, um, you know, I said, but how is that working? You know, you might be religious, but um, how's your food? How's your how's your serenity? And, um, and then through dialoguing with her, I realized that she um, – had shared with me that she didn't feel like her her problem was important enough for God, and you know, and so um, that's that's you know that's what my stumbling block was originally too, and so um, you know this program is open to all of us and all of our religions, and um, and that's why it works. You know, that's why it really works. That I found. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Kim, you're up next, and followed by Vasa O. Good morning, Du. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to um, look at that sentence. His religious education and training may be far superior to yours. And I'm going to kind of almost echo what Sally was talking about because, you know, I think of this also as not just religious experience, but experience in OA. You know, it's very rare, in all honesty, that I meet a newcomer. Mostly what I meet are people like me who have come in and out of the rooms decades after decades after decades. And also another thing is people who come from other 12-step programs. And they think, well, what can you tell me? You know, when I crawled into a big book study four and a half years ago, I was so arrogant. You know, I'm like, I've been in a group chair. I've been on the region board, for God's sake. You know, but I had to admit the last three to four years prior to that, you know, I, it's a little tip if you want this. If you want to stay abstinent, just change the definition of abstinence. I changed my definition of abstinence and stayed abstinent while I put on 20 pounds. 
You know, so I had to admit, like, I couldn't get out of the food no matter how much experience I had in OA. But I also was very angry if people wanted to discount the work that I had done. Yes, I had done the steps according to what I was told to do. People told me to do stuff, and I did it. It wasn't that I wasn't following directions. I was never introduced to these specific directions. So when it says here in line, he will be curious to learn why his own convictions have not worked and why yours seem to have worked so well. It was my curiosity that these people were telling me that they were no longer suffering the way that I suffered. And they brought me back to page 25 where it says, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences. And I had many deep experiences in a way. And I didn't want someone to discount that. But when I heard these recovered people talk, I had to admit what I do was doing wasn't effective. And I didn't want just a deep experience. I wanted an effective experience. And the rest of that sentence says, which we have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellow, and towards God's universe. And I started to see that was part of my problem. I didn't revolutionize my whole attitude. I changed it while I was in OA because you people loved me. But I would go out to my family and my work office, and I would wreak havoc. I would do some work until the pain went away enough, and then I would go back to being self-will on riot. So for me personally, the way that it changed after years and years in a way is I spent years and years facing the food and fighting the food, throwing tools and all these different things at it, always fighting the food. And when I became exposed to this clear message, what I did was I put down the food 100%. I faced a solution, and I ran with it with all my, everything I had in me. And let me tell you that that was the change because today I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I do not suffer from compulsive overeating. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Uh, Vasa, oh, you're up next. Yes, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, dear, for your service. And I'm grateful, compulsive overeater. We got a compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts. Um, this is a very good paragraph. And I did not know much when I came to the program, and I learned so much since I've been in the program, and I was just so so curious. I just, you know, I was sick and suffering, and I wanted to know what people did, you know, uh, through the 12 steps and the big book. But anyways, I'm, I was, I'm so grateful that I heard it was a spiritual program, not a religious I probably would have run out. I really would have run out from the first meeting. And I thank God the first couple of meetings were not like in church basements. You know, they were in different areas. And as growing up, I was, you know, we were thought to just stay in our own religion. And that was the only right religion. We were not, start, we were not allowed to stop in other people's churches. I did have some, I had a, you know, I had some religion, but I did not have a relationship with God. And, um, yeah, this is uh, a program of action. Faith without the works is uh, nothing, you know. For me, it was a big sacrifice to put the food down in God's hands, you know, to put those certain foods that I loved, and I loved to have the facts of them. Of course, you know. And, um, but, and not to pick them up, it was a torture for me. But, you know, look at the benefits, you know, after many years, you know, been in recovery and program, what a gift. But I like this here. Admit that he probably knows more about it uh, 
And I've had this experience with people that are very religious, and they come to the program, and I like this sentence here, says, I mean that he probably knows more about it than you do, but call to his attention the fact that however deep his faith and knowledge, he could not have applied it, or he would not drink, you know, like I was drinking myself. And, uh, and I guess, you know, I mean, I know pastors and religious people that are struggling with this program. And some of them are not allowed to come to the 12-step program because they believe by their own religion that, you know, that higher power or their choice of God will heal them from, from this, you know. And, that, and then some of it do come back, you know, and they realize, you know, the, you know, it's rules. They had to follow the rules from other people, what they told them. So, again, you know, I don't get into the religion, but I know some of those people, they know their scriptures, they know all that, and, you know, I'm just learning. And, I, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't condemn, you know, I, I've gone back to some of that kind of religion, and I'm grateful for that. But if I had to pick one from the other, I would stay with the 12 steps. And I'm not saying that I haven't gone back to the church. I have gone back to, so I'm combining them both together. But this is the recovery. This is where I got my recovery, and I'm so, so grateful. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. We're down to our last few minutes of the meeting. I'm going to take two more shares before we close up. Who would like to share? Do I share Angela D. from Westchester, please? I'm sorry, I heard Angela D. and Katie G. Katie G. Okay, Katie G. And I heard one other person. I Anita J. I'm sorry, before Anita J., there was someone else. Okay, well, we're going to take Angela D. and Katie G. I think that's all the time we'll have. Okay, so Angela D, you're up. Please press star one. You, here I am. Angela D from Westchester, thank you. Hello? Yes, go ahead. Yes, uh, I, I want to continue. I hope you can hear me. I'm, I'm in the road here. Uh, but as all the shares that I heard on 93, when I turned to page 25, it was just read before, it says, the central fact of our lives today is an absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts. I'm in this program 30 years, but I never gave my heart to my higher power. And that's what's changed in me today. My heart, because of his 12 steps. I had to go through my life with my heart, with my higher power, to learn how to forgive, how to love, how to respect, how to be honest, how to be humble through his 12 steps. But I couldn't do it without giving my heart to my higher power. And with that, I'll pass and may God bless you. Thank you, Angela D. Uh, Katie G. 
Yeah. Good morning, Dave. Thank you for your service. And good morning, everyone. This is KG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, for today from Boston, Mass. Grateful to be here, and thank you for everyone's service. I guess just what I wanted to share with my own experience. Um, I've been 228 pounds and 110 pounds, and that's just a physical manifestation of a mental mind craziness that I have lived in the devastation of this illness my entire life. And I spent a very long time in this program pursuing different religions. I heard a message that if I just got God, that I would be okay, you know, and I didn't, I didn't know how to get to God. I didn't know that the way to get to God was to um, go through the 12 steps. I thought that if I could be a born-again Christian or Buddhist, um, I'd find to every school. I, I wanted to convert to Judaism. I thought my life would be better if I just found a new religion, a new, and all of these, they talk about it in the agnostics, right? They're just like all these substitutions, and religion is an outside issue. Like, religions are great. Be quick to see what religious people are like. Make use of what they offer, but I am such a hardcore, low-bottom Buddha, a compulsive overeater, that I can't hear religion because I'm too busy eating. I'm too busy eating non-food food items that are, you know, that I'm worshiping um, because I'm such an addict and I can't, I can't control and I'm powerless, you know, and each and every day it's about um, subtraction of self and the only way that I can do that is if I am putting down the food, staying abstinent and working the steps and looking at every day, okay, oh my gosh, I'm in fear again, okay, so where did that start and how do I, how do I get out of myself? I do a turnaround and then I turn to others. At night, where did I fall short? Okay, God, where did I fall short? And what's the plan for today? And the the solution of recovery is moving to other-centeredness. But I can't do that by sitting in a church. This isn't like, oh, do I want to go to a meeting? Or do I want to work the steps? Or do I want to go to church? I don't get to choose. This is not. This is a prescription for me. I have a life and death illness, and I, my my disease wants me dead. It will settle for me eating, and it will bring me right back to the food if I am not staying 100% abstinent and working my steps every day. Because eating will be a step out from how I feel about myself. And if I have the privilege of getting through the steps, I can continue to enlarge my spiritual life and and choose whatever religion. I can change religion every five minutes. But this isn't about religion. This is about life. This is about death, and this is about getting rid of myself. And with that, I do pass. Okay, thank you, Katie G. Um, I believe that's all the time we have for sharing today. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close um, the meeting with the reading of the big book on page 164. And I will have Elaine B. Um, close us up with um, our book is meant to be suggestible. Thank you for your service, Sue. This is Elaine Z. Recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit 
and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.